Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O C-O. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome, Bulls fans, to the Sports Ethos Chicago Bulls coverage show, All-Star Edition. I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am jo- joined by my good buddy and co-host today, Trey Hill. And uh, we've got a special episode for you today, guys. Uh, obviously, no Bulls basketball. The Bulls, uh, well, two of the Bulls are playing tonight, uh, and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan in the All-Star game. But we are currently on the All-Star hi- hiatus uh, and don't have another game until Thursday. So we are going to do a little bit of a deep dive, Mr. Trey, my friend, into DeMar DeRozan and just the incredible uh, season this guy's having, MVP-type season here in his 13th NBA season. I'm excited, man. I uh, got a, love, a lot of love for DeMar. I know we were both pretty high in that signing when it happened. So uh, I'm excited just to break down what he's been doing you know, well and just kind of tell people you know, what my thoughts are here and, and why um, – why he's just incredible. He's he's the best player on the Bulls this, so, so far this season, right? We were high on this signing. Whoever was the highest of the high on this signing couldn't have imagined it would have turned out as well as it has turned out for the Bulls. DeMar DeRozan, it, I know he's not in the, the top tier of, of serious MVP candidates, but he is, I, I really do think he is in that number four spot. And in terms of, just being that Kevin Durant tweeted it out perfectly the other night. I don't remember exactly what the quote was, but it was something about DeMar playing excellent basketball and just the technique that he shows in his ability to score, to get to his spots. It's it's just been an absolute delight. And being able to have the time to just take a few minutes and, and look into the numbers and look into just everything that's led to the success that has been the DeMar DeRozan signing this year – I'm excited to get into that because it just has been such a, such a delight. Yeah, it's uh, been a big surprise for us. Obviously, the Bulls are sitting in, you know, tied for first place in the Eastern Conference. Just not something that we ever uh, would have thought when the when the season started. Especially, you know, last season we didn't even have a winning record. So, you know, everything I, has. Been I remember right. thinking <laughs> I had them third, and I remember thinking that's weight that's too high. I have to move yeah. them back to fourth. Yeah, and I think I had them fourth or fifth. I can't remember exactly off the top of my head, but I have to look. But uh, somewhere in there, same same thinking. Um, and I, hey, they could end up there. We'll see. But uh, yeah, we are going to talk. I think we're going to answer for you guys today, uh, Bulls fans. You know where Demar Derozan sits on the MVP uh, 
voting. I think I'm with Trey in that he's not the top tier of guys, but I think he definitely, you know, deserves to be in that conversation. So we're going to go over that. But first, we're going to hit on some Bulls news and notes. Uh, had a couple of news and notes since we last talked and last uh, went over that kind of stuff. So we'll hit on that. But just want to help go ahead and remind you guys right now before we get started to please take a moment to go follow at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter, the single most dominant basketball and fantasy news feed on earth. Get all your NBA news in one handy Twitter feed. It's faster than the competition and provides more analysis too. Again, that's at Ethos Fantasy BK on Twitter. Go follow it now. Um, so, yeah, a uh, couple Bulls news and notes since uh, since last time we went over that tray that we uh, kind of need to discuss. We didn't really hit on the Tristan Thompson signing, obviously. Uh, it did become official, was it today or yesterday, uh, whatever it was. Kind of. Let me, let me ask you about that first, Trey. Kind of a weird leak here with uh, Rick Carlisle in a post-game press conference, I believe it was, talking about how Tristan Thompson's not going to be on the team anymore. And then he kind of hints at it's the the um, uh, team a little bit north of here that ends in O and begins with C. And then, you know, and then eventually it's like Chicago, if you didn't get that. Kind of a weird way to leak that, don't you think? Uh, any idea what the motive is behind doing that? I, I think Rick Carlisle assumed it was fairly common knowledge. I'm assuming Tristan Thompson wasn't shy about sharing this knowledge about who he intended on signing with once he cleared waivers after the after however long it takes to clear waivers. I'm not sure. So I think Rick Carlisle was just... 48 hours, I think, by the way. 48, yeah, I yeah. think Rick Carlisle was just being his, you know, curmudgeon self and <laughs> stealing the spotlight away from Tristan Thompson and, and leaking that out because, that, you know... Why not? He just kind of felt like he's new. But I would I would say he felt comfortable leaking it because it must have not been something that was uh, a well-kept secret. Yeah, um, well, in the Bulls, I won't get in trouble here. There's, I don't think there's any way to get in trouble here. But I, I don't see how that's not tampering when you basically announce, you know, this guy's sign. When he hasn't even cleared waivers yet, I don't think the league's going to care enough. To, to slap a fine or anything. Maybe he gets like a little, like a couple thousand dollar fine or something and the organization uh, covers it. But uh, it was just kind of strange here that Rick Carlisle, the uh, Pacers head coach, is breaking news for the Bulls. But uh, I'm glad he did it because I got to know 20, you know, 36 hours or whatever it was, 48 hours in advance. Uh, but yeah, Tristan Thompson as a basketball fit. How do you feel there, Trey? Uh, give me your thoughts there. This last year, he's kind of fallen off a little bit on the rebounding and rim protecting. But before that, he's kind of exactly what the Bulls need coming off the bench just to kind of support Vucevic to be able to come in and to hold down the fort in that big spot. Especially if you can get him in when DeMar isn't playing because DeMar, he eats up so much of the spacing and the oxygen on offense, but he likes to do it there on those elbow areas so DeMar really needs that spacing around him to keep the defense to so whenever the defense sends those hard doubles he can really make them pay so I I think Tristan Thompson's ideal as the backup big especially when DeMar isn't on the floor yeah I'm I'm expecting maybe a a 10-15 minute roll for him nothing huge but uh, he does really paste up and, and and fill a spot that the Bulls desperately need, especially in that second unit, which is rebounding. Uh, he's been a rebound specialist for years now. He's actually younger, Trey, because I looked up his age. He's younger than I thought he was. I thought he was like mid-30s, but he's only 30 years old. So pretty much like right in the prime of, of his playing time, theoretically. Uh, most people, you know, 28 to 32, that's kind of like the prime there. So, uh, but yeah, he has kind of, um, I don't know, 
regressed, I guess, or, or didn't play so well last season. So I don't know what's going on there. I'm hoping he brings the good Tristan Thompson to the Chicago Bulls, right? Nice buns. Soft, fluffy, and ultra-low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra-low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Yeah, I, I hope so as well. I'm not sure either. I haven't watched much much of him this year. I was just looking at his stats, and when you went and looked at his per 36 numbers, most years he's averaging around you know, 11, 12 rebounds. This year he's averaging nine. The points have actually been up a little bit, but what we're wanting him to be here for is you know his defense around the rim and his rebounding. And I mentioned how his rebounding's down. And then Shots around the rim. Uh, this year, if he's on the court, teams are shooting 68% around the rim. Whereas I went and looked back in 2015 and 16, you know, kind of prime Tristan Thompson, they were only shooting 60% around the rim. So, you know, 8% difference, that, that's a pretty massive swing. So hopefully he can he can at least, you know, maybe get back to that 64%, kind of meet in the middle. But even if he doesn't, I still think he's an upgrade over Bradley. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with there. So um, the other the other bit of news you have here, uh, a couple more bits of news, but Zach Levine, uh, his knee, good to go. He t- tweeted out a, a kind of a, um, a you know mysterious tweet there uh, that was just a, a, a gift, but it ended up being good news. Uh, he did get a cortisone shot in his knee, and he's been saying now at the All Star pressers that you know his knee feels a lot better after being able to rest it for you know several days. Uh, he's been out for. I don't know, almost two weeks, I think, now at this point. So he uh, hasn't been playing, you know, competitive basketball. He's probably been working out and everything like that. But um, good news, Trey. Uh, we did see him, though, in the three-point competition. I don't know if you watched any of that. I did, I did watch that uh, a little bit. I watched Zach Levine. Um, didn't perform too well in the three-point competition, uh, which, you know, it's neither here or there. I mean, it's a three-point competition. I'm not really taking too much stock in it. But, uh, you know, it might be a little bit of an adjustment for him to get back into the flow of things after missing so much time. What do you think? Maybe a little bit. He's He's got seven minutes already tonight in the All-Star game, and it's halftime. So his knee must not be bothering him too much. Hopefully he continues to play in the second half and he's not held out. That would make me worry a little bit. He's been He got to sit for a little over a week. It looks like his last game was the 11th. So maybe just the rest on top of the treatment. It, it should be good to get him through to the end of the season and then whatever they need to do in the off season, they can get that done. And part of me wonders, I mean, obviously I know he's fresh. I know this, you know, he's not going to come back unless he can play well, but how, how much of this do you think is him coming back because he wants to try and make an all NBA team so he can qualify for that super max. Oh, that's gotta be. And, and we'll talk about that too. We can, we can transition right into that, but uh, obviously upcoming free agency is, is something we got to hit on here. He had a couple comments on that also, Trey. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's gotta be a factor in, in his thinking and his motivation as much as people want to say in the NBA, you know, Hey, I don't care about the money. I'm here for the basketball. I want to win. And that's a motivating factor too, but the money, money matters too. <laughs> right. He wouldn't be playing in the all-star game if he didn't feel excellent. He wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't be going out there and doing what was it? I think I saw a 360 dunk where he, th- you know, had the ball back behind us. He wouldn't be going out there and doing those type of things if his knee wasn't in a really good position. But 
I don't think I didn't think there was any way he was going to sit for a significant amount of time if there was any way to avoid it because he wants all you know he wants all of the money he can get in the offseason and and he deserves it in my opinion I, I said it last podcast we had when we were grading the guys Zach was the guy who brought everyone else here he was you know he was the guy so to me you pay the guy and with Casey Johnson reporting that ownership's willing to go into the luxury tax, for me, it's just an absolute no-brainer. Whichever contract he qualifies for, that's just the one you give him as soon as as soon as you can. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. Um, so a couple quotes from here from Zach. So first of all, this is from Rob Schaefer on Twitter, uh, at Rob underscore Schaefer. That's C-H- uh, S-C-H-A-E-F underscore Schaefer. Uh, Rob underscore Schaefer. So his uh, treatment here was uh, he had his knee drained, received PRP and cortisone injections. And he's, his, here's his quote. Uh, it, the treatment will get me through the end of the season and the off season, I'll be able to take care of it and get myself to 100%. So not going to be operating 100% the rest of the season, probably. We're hoping he can get to like 90, 95% Zach Levine. And I'll take it at 90, 95% Zach Levine. Anyways, um, another quote here about his upcoming free agency uh where he was speaking to again i think this was a uh presser uh for the uh oh gosh where is it now um here it is presser for the uh for for the uh, all-star events i think we all get what we deserve at the level we play at for our team and around the league i think i stack up with everybody at that level will let the chips fall is the max the goal i don't know if it's the goal but i should be getting what i deserve I'll let NBA general managers tell me what that is, and we'll go from there. So, yeah, he think. I, I mean, you know, reading between the lines there, he doesn't want to say it, but uh, he's looking for a max. I mean, there's no way he's not looking for a max. And the Bulls need to give him the max. We've been saying that since the start of the season, Trey. And I think we still feel that way. You just said it yourself. I mean, why wouldn't you, right? In all the advanced metrics, we're going to talk a lot about DeMar today. I don't want to get too much into Zach, but in all the advanced metrics, Zach Levine in terms of – making tough shots, uh, is elite level. Yeah, there's no reason to not give him the contract. It, no reason at all. He, when, you, when you said the quote, he said, I'll let the GMs tell me what I'm worth. To me, that's the clear signal. If my GM offers me the max, I'll take it. But if my GM does not offer me the absolute maximum contract, I will go out and see if someone else will offer me the absolute maximum contract and just force it. Like, I, that's what I got from that. So to me, the ball is clearly in the Bulls' court, but I think they have the inside track with him. So all of those quotes, to me, I don't, I don't read them as, oh, I need to be worried about Zach's free agency. I read them as Zach's committed to this team as long as they're committed to him. Um, and, and I wasn't, you know... I'll be honest. Well, I, I wasn't a, um, not a fan of it. I was pretty eh when the Bulls decided to match the Kings offer for Zach Levine. Uh, looking back, that was pretty dumb. Obviously, he surpassed that that value. Uh, how did you feel at that time, though, uh, Trey, about about the uh, match for, for Zach Levine and restricted free agency? With the Kings? Yeah. Oh, I, I was sad they matched it. I didn't have any faith <laughs> in the team to build anything around him. I was worried he was just going to they weren't going to be able to develop him and to me I that that's what I said about it whenever it was there I I liked Zach and 
I don't remember what team they had around them at the time in Sacramento, but for whatever reason, I had more faith in Sacramento to build with Sac than I did on in the Bulls. I was I was very down and out on the Bulls franchise as soon as as soon as they had Fred Hoiberg and they said they were going to run and shoot threes and then they signed Dwayne Wade and <laughs> Rajon Rondo. From that point on, I was I was out on the Bulls until they got rid of the front office. Um, yeah, so I say I think a little bit of the same. Uh, I think I looked at it as um, I was I wasn't really much of a believer in Zach at that point, but I think you know again I was dead wrong. Uh, I think the Kings definitely would be better if they would have Zach Levine instead of. Uh, I guess they probably wouldn't have uh, Tyrese Halliburton, which they traded, traded, and uh, Buddy Heald. Maybe they wouldn't have him either. So uh, I think they'd be a better team for sure. But uh, but anyways, glad he's here. I think he's going to get that max. I think he absolutely deserves it. Last little bit of news here. Ayadusumu in the Rising Stars game uh, trade did end up jamming his thumb. Uh, here's a quote from him. I tried to chase down chase down a block. I hit it on the rim. It bent back. He said, indicating that he'd get it looked at by a trainer. Do I have any further news on that? I think he's totally fine. I think he, if he suffered a serious injury, we would have heard of, about it by now at this point. So I think he's going to be totally fine. Does that worry you at all, though? Um, you know, the fact that he banged up his thumb a little bit in the Rising Stars game? Not really. You mentioned this right before we came on the podcast that we were going to talk about it. And I hadn't heard anything. I hadn't seen anything on Twitter. I hadn't you know, seen anything on ESPN or any of the Bulls stuff that I follow. So I had to go to Google. Now I know to you find don't read out. my tweets. Now I know you don't read my tweets. Now I'm sad. <laughs> Sorry, man. I was at the mall. I was at the okay. mall all it's day. Okay. I haven't caught up really on Twitter. I, I but... also tweet like 100 times a day, so it's okay. You might you might have missed one in there. Go ahead. <laughs> a little bit. But I, I hadn't seen anything about this you know, today, and nobody had messaged me about it until you mentioned it. So when I had to go to Google, even Googling it, it nothing really popped up a whole lot. So I'm not, I'm not worried about it. I'm not – very concerned, but I'd put it at like 15% because we did just see Chris Paul the other day bang his hand and now he's out six weeks potentially. That's absolute insanity because, you know, he, um, I don't know if you were watching earlier today. I watched a little bit while I was putting my kid down to bed, but um, was Chris Paul checked in for like a, a play or two uh, for the all-star game just so he could, you know, get in the game and try to get an assist or whatever, even with the thumb injury, which is just, you insane. know, you know, a minute ago, how, <laughs> how you got all defensive and mad about how, oh, you don't read my Twitter. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, you don't read mine <laughs> because someone tweeted, what's stopping someone from the West taking a mean slap at CP3's hand right now? <laughs> and I reply, I quote, I, I retweeted it with the quote tweet. The only reason it didn't happen was that Chris Paul was the one who was injured. If Paul was out there and Steph was out there with a broken thumb, Paul is swiping like swiper from door. <laughs> I know. Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. I knew you're the resident Chris Paul hater. I, I, I'm not going to de- defend the guy. He does play dirty at times. Uh, I can't deny that. Uh, you can call it competitiveness. You can call it dirtiness. Uh, I think it probably borders on dirty more often than not. Uh, so, you know, I'm not going to defend him, but, uh, but yeah, that's pretty funny. I wish, I wish somebody would, that's, you know, just, just to teach him a little bit of a lesson there. Uh, even though I am a fan of Chris Paul's and I hope he uh, does well, I hope the, hope the Suns uh, go to the finals again this season. I really want to see that happen. Uh, but anyways, that's all the Bulls news that we have for you guys. Not a whole lot. Um, so anyways, let's get on to what we are here to talk about Trey. Uh, but before I do, 
I want to tell our listeners here about a little something called Thrive Fantasy, which is our brand new daily fantasy partner at Sports Ethos. Prop up with Thrive Fantasy on their mobile app or at thrivefantasy.com. Use code ethos when you sign up to get 100% deposit match bonus on your first deposit. Up to 100 bucks plus either two or four free game tickets to play. Pick player props on the biggest names playing every night. Score points when your props hit, and the players with the most points win a pro- share of the nightly prize money. And check out our Sports Ethos DFS team or podcast for advice on winners. Again, that code is ethos over at thrivefantasy.com. We just added a Thrive Fantasy channel in our Discord, so if you have the DFS pass with Sports Ethos, I am your main guy, your main connect there for connect there for Thrive Fantasy stuff. So uh, hit me with some questions or uh, you know follow my plays if you'd like, uh, or fade me. Sometimes fading me is the right answer. So. We'll see how that goes. But, yeah, Thrive Fantasy. But, okay, let's get on to the meat of our program here, which is DeMar, DeMarvelous DeRozan. Uh, what can I say about this guy to start this off, Trey? Uh, again, you know, we, we touched on it in the opener here, but just an incredible season. His 13th NBA season, and it's his best by far. By far. And let me just recap. I, I said a lot of this in our grades episode, which we did yesterday. Uh, please go back and listen to that. We had grades for all 17 NBA players on the Chicago Bulls roster. But a couple of notes that I had. Uh, obviously, the big one here. First player in NBA history to score 35 points while shooting better than 50% from the field in seven consecutive games. Uh, that's from 1963 uh, was Wilt Chamberlain was the last one. They had six in a row. So he's beat Wilt Chamberlain there. And that was I'm a little bit, okay, 70 years, no, gosh, math is hard, man, 40 years, so 60 years later, maybe, maybe it's 60 years, something like that, Uh, 28.1 points per game, career high, 51.7% from the field, second best in his career, 34.3% from the the three, which is huge, a big leap, that's his best of his career by far, 86.6% from the line, which is the second best, um, currently sixth in MVP rankings, actually, according to ESPN's uh, straw poll here, uh, which I have up. And the most durable, most durable player on the Bulls, 55 out of 59 uh, games played this season. Again, his 13th NBA season, just killing it, Trey. Uh, give me some love, man. What do you got here? What's your What's your initial, you know, reaction here when I when I say the name Demar Derozan? I mean, I think MVP level player. I think the guy who has carried the Bulls through. To me, I, I I know the numbers say that the Heat. I think the Heat have missed more games than the Bulls. But if you look at all of the teams that are that are in the playoff picture, I can't name a team that has missed more games from from quality rotation guys, including multiple starters, than the Chicago Bulls. And Demar Derozan is has been the glue guy running the offense you know, that isn't from the center position. You know, you have Vooch running the inside and you have DeMar running literally everything else. He's been able to shoot over 50% from uh, the field from mid-range shots this year, taking some of the absolute craziest, most ridiculous shots I've seen from a player. It's just like the footwork is incredible. He gets to his spots. You sent me something earlier from StatMuse, his shot chart, and you can see the, on the shot chart, just like the dark blue where he's so much better than everyone else, just on those elbows, on those corners, where he where he gets to on the game, it's like the eye test just matching the data perfectly. Yeah, um, yeah, I was excited to send that over to you because I found that, again, it's on StatMuse. If you want to go check it out, guys, just search DeMar DeRozan shot chart over there uh, on StatMuse or Google DeMar DeRozan shot chart, and that's one of the links that pops up there. Um, but you can see all the grouping of the, of the shots, and it gives you um, a shot chart just based on – 
uh, it's a color coded and the darker the blue is basically the better than league average this guy is and you can see all the grouping there pretty much at the top of the circle uh, the top of the, the you know the free throw line the circle of the free, around the free throw line is where most of his shots that he's above league at league average happen and just like you said Trey that matches the eye test he's about average um, from the el- above the elbow but on the elbow, like directly on the elbow, he's also hitting shots um, just at an incredible rate. I also found it interesting when I was looking at this shot chart tray. On one side of the floor uh, from the corner three, he's he's above average. On the other side, he's below average. So obviously he likes one side more than more than the other. Let's see, he shot uh, 18, it looks like 18 shots from that corner, and he shot 23 shots from the corner he's not so good in. So he shot more shots from the, the corner he's not been so good in. That's not a huge sample size, though. You're looking at 23 and 18 shots. Uh, but at the same time, though, that, kind of, that was kind of interesting to me. And uh, you have all these little peppering dots over here where, you know, he's he's better than league average outside the three-point line, which are, you know, like, on the wings. Uh, from straight away, he's not so, not so great. So uh, he's got his spots, like you said, and this is, you know, a long way away for me to get to the point of this guy has his spots. He gets those spots, just like you said, uses footwork to get there. Uh, and not only that, but his ability to draw fouls in the mid-range um, by, you know, using his pivot foot, giving a bit of an up fake, a little bit of an eyebrow fake, and then just going into a shooting motion just like regular. And it's it's still a good shot, too. He does he has plenty of and one opportunities as well. Um, and so on offense, this guy is just – he's unstoppable, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, unstoppable is the right word for it. When when I think about DeMar DeRozan, I think about him doing running the pick and roll and isolation play. Like the, That's what he does the most. Looking at synergy, he runs the pick and roll – 41% of the time, and then he does the isolation 17% of the time. He ranks excellent in both, 88th percentile at pick and roll, 91st percentile in isolation. And I, I sent you something earlier about his drives. I love – it was just kind of interesting to me, so I wanted to mention it because this is the time to throw out random weird DeMar DeRozan stats. Mm-hmm. So when, he, when he's isolated, if he drives to the right – he pulls up for a jumper 63% of the time. If he drives to the left, he pulls up for a jumper 63% of the time. And then if he drives to the right, he drives all the way to the basket 20.7% of the time. And if he drives left, he goes all the way to the basket 21.6% of the time. He's like a robot. Like you, you, they mention all the time he's getting to his spots. He's getting to where he wants to be. He, he's, he's just manipulating the defense with his footwork. It's all true, both when you watch it and when you look at the advanced stats. Everything about DeMar's season is just – it's like the absolute apex of DeMar DeRozan's game. Yeah, it's, uh, it's just incredible, man. And, um, you know, again, the, the high from, from three-point land is just what really gets me. But – uh, I was watching him earlier in the All-Star game, and he actually does kind of the James Harden move, but it's in the mid-range. He does because he does that, you know, he'll take that basically sidestep that everyone thinks it might be a little bit of traveling, but it's not at the NBA level. That's you, you can do that. And it's really I mean, it's really not a trouble because you're picking up your dribble as you're doing it. Um, I like to to clown on James Harden because I think he does travel sometimes doing it. And Joel Embiid, as we saw, obviously definitely does when he attempts to do it. But uh, all that aside, when DeMar does it, it's not a travel. It's 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 a legal move. 
and he creates a lot of space doing that. So he can either do that or, again, the pivot foot in the mid-range uh, where he just kind of gives like a reverse pivot, gets the defender off of him or gets his defender on him and rises up over him. And the defender has nothing to do besides attempt to contest a shot and and follow him. I mean, it, it's just incredible. Uh, this guy is just going to continue to put up tons and tons of points for the Chicago Bulls, especially while Zach Levine's out. I, I assume Zach's going to be back once the All-Star break's over, but uh, anytime Zach Levine has to sit, this guy's going to go off for huge games. I don't see him scoring 35 or more on a regular basis if Zach Levine's in the lineup because I think Zach can shoulder some of that load for him. I'd like to see that happen because uh, the one thing I'm worried about, Trey, is the the Bulls putting too much of a, of a load on, on DeMar DeRozan. Uh, is that something that concerns you or am I am I being crazy here? No, I'm definitely concerned about it a little bit. Uh, he does run a lot of pick and roll, and that's that's not the easiest thing to run. But I don't see him getting beat up a lot driving into the lane. I, he has been able to be durable, and I think part of that is his play style. He takes a lot of jumpers. He takes a lot of you know, mid-range shots. It's not like he's going in and, and getting knocked to the floor like we've seen Patrick Williams this year, like we watched, you know, Javante Green, Caruso. Like, we've seen so many guys, you know, go up for fantastic plays and just get taken out. So I, it does concern me, just the offensive load in general. His usage, I think it's the second highest maybe ever in his career. I don't have that one pulled mm-hmm. up in front of yeah, me right now. But I think you're right. It, It's just, it's something I'm concerned about, but if we have to lean on him, I think he can handle the load. I just would would very much prefer not to have to do that. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. And yeah, it is the second highest usage, 31.8% usage in his uh, second highest of his career. Um, uh, and again, uh, you know, 32 years old, not getting any younger here. Uh, an injury would would really be devastating at this point. Let's let's not wish that into existence. I also have a scatter plot here. Um, from basketball index, b-ball index on uh, on Twitter, and they do all those you know scatter plots with the headshots. Um, LeBron is one of their you know babies there. It's a stat that they made up basically. Uh, and if you're not familiar with it, it stands for luck adjusted player estimate using a box prior regular regular reg, mm, regularized on off. So it's a mouthful. Uh, but basically, what it does is it's using the box scores and it's weighting those in a holistic evaluation of. A, player um per 100 possessions so uh when you look at a scatter plot there for demar Derozan, on the and they have offensive lebron and they have defensive lebron right so you look at, at a scatter plot with demar Derozan on there um on the offensive lebron score man he is like up there he is uh i'm trying to pull it up right now he's like up there with guys like uh let me see here he's up there with guys like you know dame lillard uh james harden um, Giannis is actually maybe slightly better than him. Uh, obviously, Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic are both like head and shoulders above like anybody else. Uh, but Trey Young's also almost up there as far as the offensive LeBron goes. Uh, it's the defensive LeBron though where he's not terrible. He's not at the bottom of the scatter plot, but he is uh, towards the bottom, right? He's like uh, so they've got it going from zero to negative two. And he's like almost a negative one or maybe a little past negative one here. So we're right around that negative one area. So he's like halfway down as, as far as this kind of plot goes, if you can envision that. Um, so defensively, you know, people have been you know ragging on this guy for not being a plus defensive player individually. Uh, are you buying that, Trey, or are you selling that? I think he's fine, especially whenever we have the point of attack defenders that aren't letting – 
penetration get in and he's not having to worry about rotations whenever he you know he has to be the second best defender on the court no that's not something he's capable of doing especially considering the offensive load he's having to carry but in theory what he offers on the defensive end is is definitely more than what the bulls need from him that's kind of where i'm at on his defense uh did you have anything else to add on that? Because I, I also had a B-ball index headshot to bring up. Not the one you brought up, but I had a different one. To <laughs> a bring different up. one. Perfect. Yes. No, that's good. No, as far as defense goes, um, no, yeah, I, I, I think um, he's fine. He's average. I, I don't think there's anything terrible about him on defense. He never makes plays where I'm like, you know, my, my jaw is dropping because I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's a great defensive play. Um, but I also don't see him blowing assignments like uh, the other guy I mentioned in, in our grade show, uh, Zach Levine. Uh, and I hate to hate to rip on Zach again for that. I think it's something he can work on and get better at. Uh, but I'm not seeing that from DeMar DeRozan, uh, or at least not as, uh, you know, consistently as I see it with other people that are, are bad, quote unquote, defenders. Um, I think his, you know, IQ on that end is fine. I think, again, he's just an average defender and I've got nothing wrong with them. Uh, tell me about your scatter plot there. What do you got? I just sent it over to you on Twitter so you can take a look on your phone while, while I talk about it, if you want. So the, the headshot plot, it's got overall shot making and overall shot quality. And it, I think it just ranks, uh, it looks like most of the people in the league and there's just quite a few there bunched up. DeMar DeRozan is at the very top left corner. He, mm-hmm. ha- he has, the highest rating for overall shot making. It's him just a little hot, like about four and a half. And then there's Kevin Durant at four. And then you've got like Jokic at three and a half and everyone else is below two and a half. So there's Jokic, Durant, and then DeMar is, is tops, but it's those three and everyone else is way lower, but his overall shot quality is also the worst in the league. So not only is his shot making the best in the league, his shot quality is the worst in the league. DeMar, it's just, it's been absolutely unreal getting to watch him, what he's been able to do, you know, the first half of the season. And I don't know that it's fair to ask him to be able to to sustain these kind of numbers, but even if he can do, you know, 85% of it, it's just, it, it would be unreal and he would be deserving of being on MVP ballots. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think this. I'm looking at this chart too, and I think this this matches up with the eye test uh, very well. Obviously, uh, I mean, this dude's getting double teams and triple teams at times. Um, to what teams like to do is they like to wait until you know, especially at the end of quarters, they like to wait until the shot clock hits like seven seconds, six seconds, and then they'll send a defender at Demar Derozan to get the ball out of his hands because he's just absolutely killer and deadly with the ball in his hands. Uh, so we see him often with you know two or three defenders. And one other thing we got to touch on here, Trey, is the spacing isn't great with DeMar DeRozan at times because he just he doesn't hit threes. He, he doesn't play outside of the of the three point line and extend the floor as much as like, I mean, you know, the antithesis of that would be would be Steph Curry. Right. So he's not Steph Curry. He's the, he's the antithesis of Steph Curry because he needs that space uh, at that free throw line. And so when you got someone like Vucevic in there, you got somebody like a Derek Jones Jr. in there, you got somebody like a Tony Bradley in there. Those defenders are in that vicinity oftentimes and able to uh, help on, on DeMar DeRozan. So those shots are tough uh, and they don't look like shots. They don't look like shots that it's a shot that um, in general, NBA teams want to give up. He's taking the shots that the NBA teams want to give up because it's a mid-range shot just inside the three-point line. And um, usually with the hand in his face, you know, fading away. 
uh, you know, in theory, and this is this is another thing I want to get into here, Trey. In theory, and according to analytics, right? And and I want to talk about this and some nuance here, but that's the the shot you want to give up, right? I mean, in theory, in theory, that's the shot you want to give up. But when a player is shooting such a as high a percentage as Demar Derozan is. The analytics tell you to take that shot every time. So the analytics people, they actually love DeMar DeRozan and what he's able to do because he shoots it at such a high percentage. You brought up the spacing. So DeMar just – he doesn't offer any spacing for anyone else is is the issue. So you can have one guy out there who doesn't really space the, space the floor. And you've mentioned DeMar doing having the best three-point shooting season of his career. I think that's because most of them are, are pretty wide-open shots. Mm-hmm. And – and that's, that's a good thing. He has to knock those down because teams are going to leave him open. But you have Lonzo Ball being the uh, the team leader and three-point percentage that is uh, non-corner threes. He's shooting 41%. You've got Kobe White shooting 38%. But, you know, Lonzo shoots a lot of them. Kobe shoots a lot of them. Io doesn't shoot very many. He's like our next guy. Zach shoots a lot. And then Vooch. So those are the four guys that – they they really help space the floor around DeMar because you need someone you lots of guys can make corner threes. You need those guys above the break to knock those down. So for me, the key thing with spacing and DeMar is the Bulls have done an excellent job. And we, me and you talked about this before the season even started. The Bulls have done an excellent job of providing DeMar DeRozan with the spacing around him so he can yeah. succeed within this mid-range game. And why is Matt Thomas playing so much, Marquet? That's why, because they absolutely need somebody that can hit the three above the break, which is what Matt Thomas brings. And, um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say Matt Thomas is great, um, but he fill, he fills that role and he's he's essential uh, to play next to uh, next to DeMar DeRozan. Um, but, yeah, you know, speaking of that, I sent you something a little while back and uh, I got to pull that up again. But we were talking about um, players and the uh, gravity that they have, um, and also the spacing. Um, let me pull up this here again real quick. It's another graph here that I was able to find on Twitter. Uh, it's a, actually, this is a table. So when we're talking about gravity, we're talking about, you know, pulling defenders into yourself uh, and basically, you know, um, having people, just having the defense focus their attention on you. And DeMar DeRozan's right up there. He's at a 98 uh, rating here. The, the highest is 100. Uh, Jokic and, and Giannis are the only two at 100. Then you've got Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Trey Young at 99s. DeMar DeRozan's at a 98. He's with Steph Curry. He's with John Morant. So this is the kind of gravity the guy has. So, again, you know, you're talking about the spacing he needs uh, on the floor next to him in order to be successful. And there's a flip side to that, too, because the spacing that he creates – by having this gravity is what is essential to having, uh, again, you were talking about uh, a guy like Lonzo Ball hitting those corner threes. When DeMar has that kind of gravity and he's having all that defensive attention, that's what's freeing up guys. I mean, we've talked about this before, Trey. Lonzo is able to take that dribble, and he's able to take a dribble before he shoots a three-point shot, which I don't think I've ever seen a player in my life take have that much time on so many shots. He's able to put down like a, a slow dribble, and take a three-point, like a, a rhythm dribble, and take a three-point shot. And he's fantastic on that. He hit, like, every single one that I've seen him shoot that way. Um, and the reason for that success is because DeMar is drawing so much defensive attention, right? Yeah, the Bulls are – they're not – they don't shoot a lot of threes, you know, compared to other teams. I think they're they're second to last in the league in terms of how many threes they attempt. 
they don't shoot a lot of them, but the ones they do shoot, they're such a high quality of shot that they actually lead the league in three-point percentage at 38%. So they get such good looks because DeMar sucks in all those players away from those great three-point shooters that the Bulls have around them. Zach's able to suck them in. Javante Green with his cutting when he's out there, just that fanta- you know, those fantastic cuts that he has. The defense has to respect so much of the mid-range along with the interior with Vooch stepping up that it's freeing up the Chicago shooters to just take fantastic quality three-point shots. And NBA players, they can knock down wide-open shots. Um, so, yeah, that was his gravity score. And, and just to kind of give the flip of that, the, his spacing score, which is another thing they have on this chart here, uh, is obviously out of 100 again. It's a 19. So so that's, a, you know, that's. Yeah, the, wasn't I, Zach's uh, significantly higher? Oh, yeah. Zach's uh, he's on here somewhere. I know it's like it's like all jumbled up. Um, Zach Levine is essential here, though. I can't find him here, but he's using he the 90s for sure. So, yeah, his spacing score is obviously um, very, very. Here it is. I want to say 91. 94. 91. 91. 91. 91. Okay. Yep. I just found it. 91. So uh, so Zach Levine is very essential to, to the success of DeMar DeRozan as well. We need both of those guys out there, especially in the playoffs, if we're hoping to, uh, you know, really make some noise. Um, but in terms of spacing score, they have a spacing score right here. The top uh, team is the Bucks at 71.57. You want to – how about this, Trey? You want to guess where the Bulls land in this uh, out of 30 teams, where they land in the spacing score? Eighth. 18th, <laughs> 18th in terms of spacing the score. Yeah, uh, they're below the Sixers and Raptors uh, and above the Pacers and Clippers. Uh, again, the Pacers have been, had a big shakeup, so I don't know how much how accurate that is anymore. But um, but yeah, spacing on the Bulls, uh, I wouldn't say it's a problem, but it's not great at times. It can be a problem. And part of the problem with uh, I give Donovan a little bit of a, a knock for not having a great offensive uh, game plan sometimes. Uh, I feel like we play a little bit of hero ball. But I think a problem, part of that problem is the spacing issue. So uh, I think the Bulls, you know, if they end up keeping this core uh, going into the offseason and DeMar is going to be a future for, uh, you know, in, in our next couple seasons here, uh, which I hope he is, um, that they look for some more shooting in the offseason. I think that's going to be at the top of their list, um, win or lose in this playoffs. What do you think, man? I mean, to me, I think if we had the team healthy, it's not it's a non-issue. If That's you have true. Lonzo Ball out there, if you've got Caruso out there, if you've got, you know, Patrick Williams out there, who was shooting, who shot, I know he shot 50% and it's small sample size. Obviously, he's not going to shoot 50%, but he shot 40% last year. It's it's not like we don't expect him to be a good shooter. And the the quickness on his release, so from from last year to this year, how much quicker he's able to get his shot off was just night and day. So I, I expect Patrick Williams to be right around that, you know, 38 to 40% also. So to me, I think that the spacing will come whenever the players get back because I, the Bulls have just been stuck playing with, you know, guys they're calling up from the G League, 10-day contract guys. Uh, and it's not like you have practice time with them either. They can't exactly get in and play with these guys on the offense. So – the hero ball, I feel like it was just kind of a necessity to hold on to that number one spot in the East for as long as they did. And, and they're still tied for it. It's a good point. It's a fair point. I didn't uh, didn't take that in consideration. So you're probably right there. Uh, if Lonzo's healthy, if Zach's healthy, if uh, Patrick Williams is healthy, I think that really cures a lot of those ills there. So 
could be right there, but I do think uh, shooting is never a bad thing to have at the NBA level. I'm glad you brought up that thing about analytics, though. I do want to kind of close this here uh, with this debate and just kind of uh, lambast my guy, Stacey King, a little bit. Uh, Stacey King, Bill Wennington, uh, Eddie Johnson, some of the people that I hear out there uh, constantly talking about analytics and how that's, you know, analytics is all about only threes and, and dunks. And that's not what analytics is. That's uh, And I'm not. 100% analytics guy. I, you know, you know me. I'm, I'm Keith. I use the eye test a lot uh, for for what I you know do, and usually the stats back me up, so I'm I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, I think I have a pretty good eye for this stuff. But I'm not somebody that's like you know tooting the analytics horn and saying I always want to have context when it comes to statistics. And I think analytics does a pretty good job with that. But uh, anyways, I have a pretty measured approach to this, but. Yeah, analytics isn't about just getting a three or a dunk. That's not that's not what analytics is. That's not, analytics says that DeMar DeRozan's shots that he takes from the mid-range is a good shot because guess what? DeMar DeRozan, the player, the person, makes that shot on a regular basis. That's a good shot for him. Uh, so that's a shot you want to get. That's, when you're designing your offense at, at the NBA level, you want the end result to be that jump shot, regardless of whatever anything else says. You have to take the individual players into account, and analytics is a lot more nuanced and a lot more uh, advanced than just saying, "Hey, uh, play it like you know NBA 2K or like NBA Jam and only dunk in, dunks and three pointers." Uh, you want to back me up on that, Trey, or, or anything else you want to add to that? <laughs> I mean, analytics. I, I'm I'm pretty analytical, you know. I, I'm always out here throwing throwing it throwing out random you know advanced stats that people are probably rolling their eyes at half the time. But to me, when you're designing your offense, you want to have you want possessions that are going to end with at least get you want to average at least over a point per possession. You don't you know you want to get a point more often than you don't. So when you have a guy who can shoot the ball the way Demar does and it's just good offense. Like that's just that's just what the numbers say. You want you want something that's going to win you basketball games, and that's what Demar does. So whether it's shooting more threes or shooting more mid-range shots because that's what your team calls for, or it's you know playing more zone because you're the Charlotte Hornets and you don't have a bit you know you don't have any point of attack defenders at all. So you're just like okay, we're gonna play zone. Um, doing what your team talent dictates to win I, that's just that's kind of what analytics leans towards so I do roll my eyes when I hear Stacy King kind of being like take that analytics when in my head I'm just thinking no that's exactly what analytics tells you to do it's it's maximizing your team's ability to win games and DeMar DeRozan taking those shots that maximizes the Bulls chances to win games as, as we've seen all year long so I'm looking at the I'm pulling up now the Kia MVP ladder. Um, for some reason, I didn't have the right MVP rankings up. I had a, a wrong one here. Uh, we've got they've got Jokic. Well, you've got a wrong you've got a wrong one. Whatever one you're looking at, I'm sure, because yeah, I bet probably. Demar's not fourth. Demar, yeah, Demar is not high enough. And I want to talk to you about that. So MVP and and, and let's uh, you know preface this again. You said it. I said it. I don't think he's going to win the award. I don't. Th- I think Embiid and, and and Jokic have been absolutely incredible. They deserve it. Uh, one of those guys is probably going to win it unless you know one of them gets injured. Hopefully not. Fingers crossed. I don't want that to happen. Or if you know maybe maybe Embiid has a hard time adjusting to uh, uh, Harden, and then Jokic you know ends up losing a string of games. There's a world where he could win the the award, but right now as it stands, I don't think he deserves it at all. So they've got Jokic. They've got Embiid. One, two. That's fine. I'm cool with that. They've got Giannis number three. 
I'm cool with that too. Yeah, this is just absolutely incredible. 29 points per game, 11.2 rebounds per game, six six assists per game. Uh, team's not doing as well as, as they could be doing probably. They've dealt with a lot, a lot of injuries, so uh, a lot of missed games. So I, I'm cool with uh, him being number three. He's leading the league in points. How wild yeah. is that? Yeah, he's he's incredible. Uh, I have no problem with him being number three. Chris Paul at four, though. I got a problem there. Um, why don't you give me your thoughts first, and then I'll give you my thoughts. Yeah, I'm... <laughs> I get it. They, the Suns are probably the, the best team in the league. Just looking at them overall, they they had a nice massive win streak. Chris Paul had a nice long run. I think he had a couple games where it was like he got like 16 assists or something like that. He just had he's he's been doing Chris Paul things. Just the the Suns team has been built perfectly for him to to run the point guard spot, and it it's just Chris Paul exactly in his environment. So, yeah. I mean, to me, I feel like I'm a bit of a homer saying DeMar's four. I think Chris Paul and DeMar DeRozan are four and five. And I, to me, it's hard to debate that a whole lot. You could throw Steph Curry sixth, but to me, it's really got to be Chris Paul and DeMar DeRozan. Uh, yeah, so Chris Paul, um, I feel like he's he's always like – He's like a bridesmaid, never the bride type player. Like he always has a season. This is nothing new. Um, this is not an out of the outlier season for him in any any stretch of the words. He's 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 having a lot of assists, a lot of steals. Guess what? He had a lot of assists and a lot of steals last year, and the year before that, and the year before that, and the year before. Like you get it, man. He does this thing every year. Um, when I'm thinking of the MVP vote in the MVP award, I'm thinking what player is playing significantly above their means and, and just means so much to their team and just you know taking their team to the next level. The Suns are championship contenders. I don't think anyone would ever deny that. The Bulls, on the other hand, most people had them in the play-in to start the season. The Bulls are not there. The Bulls are this we're 50-something games into the season, man. We, we are over half of the way in the season. We're like 60% of the season. And the Bulls, more than that, I think. The Bulls are are tied for first in the Eastern Conference. And the reason for that is DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> so I don't understand why Chris Paul would be above DeMar this particular season at all. Uh, I get if you're talking like careers, okay, sure, yeah, fine. Chris Paul is probably one of the best you know, 50, 75 players to play the game. I, I, it's fine. But we're talking about this season, MVP rankings. So I've got an issue there already. Uh, don't think Chris Paul needs to be above DeMar DeRozan. Then they've got Steph Curry at number five. Let me tell you about Steph Curry. Uh, okay, start- before we move on, yeah. I want to point out real quick, the Phoenix Suns are 48-10. and 10. They've won 82% of their games. And I do mm-hmm. believe, I think Chris Paul is the absolute catalyst to that. While the Bulls are tied for first in the East, they have only won 64% of their games. So the Suns have won almost 20% more of their games this year. It's a fair point. And you can you can use that argument, and that's fine. Um, better record. But you can't uh, make that argument for the Warriors. No, the Warriors, um, I mean, I think, well, they do have a better record than us. But uh, Steph Curry. So they've won 71% of their games, and yeah. and the Bulls are at 64. But it's not it's not you know there's not a huge gap is what is what I mean. It's not as big of a gap. Um, Steph Curry started the season fantastic. He was in MVP form through the first like month or two or month and a half of the season. Um, but man, the last month or two he's been really struggling. Man, I know he was shooting about. Uh, I heard on the radio, I think it was he was shooting like 35% from threes and 40% from the floor. 40%. 
from the floor over like a month, month and a half. Uh, that's just not going to cut it. If you, you don't get MVP votes from me for that. Um, do you think Steph Curry belongs ahead of uh, DeMar DeRozan? Not at all. No, I don't think so. Since since the new year, which is, you know, that's about a month and a half. He's 23 points a game, 34% from three, 91% free throw, but 41% from the field. So, you know, not great. Seven assists, he, that has stepped up a little bit in Draymond's absence. But I, I think missing, I think Draymond being out has really hurt Steph Curry more than people realize. And I think that's a lot of why his numbers have dropped. So to me, you've got Steph and you've got Draymond being out. He he dropped. DeMar, Zach was out for a minute. And oh, yeah. DeMar just, just rose up. And, yeah, and, and Lonzo's been so, out. So, you know, and Lonzo's been out. Patrick Williams, I mean, they, like, we've had so many people out. I don't, I don't care. Right, but I mean, like, they've had Clay out. They've had Wiseman out. But, like, sure. Steph had, you know, he was an MVP candidate with Draymond, and then his his number two guy, the guy who really made him better, went out, and Steph dropped off a little bit. The same thing happened to Demar, and Demar didn't drop off. He's stepped his game up to where he's breaking records that are set by Wilt Chamberlain. Yeah. Um, so to me, no, you can't have Steph Curry ahead of Demar. Okay, three more names they have above uh, ahead of Demar here. They've got John Morant, they've got Luka Doncic, they've got DeMar- Devin Booker. Can you make a case for any of those three guys, Morant? Doncic or Booker? Super recency bias for Doncic, maybe. He's been putting up some insane numbers since uh, Porzingis got traded. I think it's like something almost 40 points, like 12 rebounds and nine assists or something. Just something absolutely insane. Uh, John Morant, you can make the story case for, but I, I don't know that you can make the numbers case for, especially after seeing how well the Grizzlies did when he was out earlier in the year. And... Devin Booker, just shut the fuck up. No. <laughs> I know, yeah, well, that's true, true. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, Devin Booker, uh, fantastic player, very similar to, uh, you know, Zach Levine type. Uh, no, yeah, he's a great player. I don't, yeah, I did not I don't, mean that disrespectfectfully to Devin no, Booker. No, he doesn't. Player. I meant that as disrespect yeah. to DeMar DeRozan's MVP case. Yeah, he, he doesn't can't have belong. two sons in front no. of DeMar DeRozan right no, now. That's yeah, just, yeah. no. You're right, you're right, you're right, right. Uh, and I agree. And Luca, yeah, um, yeah, Luca recently has been just incredible. I think he gets a lot of a lot of like fanboys for some reason. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand that really, though. I, the season as a whole, I think Demar has been better than him. John Morant, uh, I think you can make. I think that's the one guy in these three that you can make a case for because John Morant's been absolutely incredible this season too. And what his his team's been doing has been way above what people thought they would be to start the season as well. That's an up and coming team that's a lot of fun. Um, might be better than the Bulls even, uh, probably are better than the Bulls. So uh, I, I could see the John Morant thing. If I was to reframe this in my own personal rankings, Trey, uh, I think I'd go Joel Embiid number one. They have Jokic one. I think it's kind of splitting hairs. So Joel Embiid one, Jokic two, uh, Giannis three. Uh, I'm going to go number four. I'm going to actually put John Morant up there. And then I'm going to go number five, uh, DeMar DeRozan. So he's in my – I got to have him in my top five, man. What, what would you – if you had to rearrange – these uh, nine players we just discussed, where would you have DeMar DeRozan? You said fourth. I've got him fourth, and I, I had Chris Paul fifth, and John, John Morant uh, sixth with Steph Curry seventh is where, I had, is where I had him. With Paul being out, you know, the next few weeks, yeah. Morant's more than likely going to jump up. You know, the, he's going to drop because of, you know, just missing time. You're, you're going to drop down some. But that's where I have them right now. I've got probably – 
Embiid one, Jokic two. Actually, I think I've got Embiid one, Giannis three, Jokic or Giannis two, Jokic three, then Demar, uh, Chris Paul for the time being, then Ja Curry. I don't remember who the other two were. Uh, what Devin Booker and somebody else? Yeah, yeah. not not important. Whoever the other guy was, he's ahead of Devin Booker because I was most insulted <laughs> screw, by Devin, screw Devin Booker. Booker. There you go. Uh, and then there's five more here, Trey. And I uh, guess who pops up in there? Mr. Zach Levine of your Chicago Bulls is in the uh, top 15, looks like, in the Kia MVP ladder, uh, which is pretty exciting. I don't think he uh, at all deserves an MVP vote, but uh, pretty pretty interesting. Uh, and I think that's more so the uh, result of the Bulls having a pretty darn good record so far. But that's going to be it, man. That is going to be our DeMar DeRozan show. Uh, everyone go vote for DeMar DeRozan for MVP and, and for the of the game tonight or whatever. I don't know. I don't actually care. But, uh, yeah, go do it anyways. Uh, but anyways, before I do sign off, though, I want to remind you guys to all use the coupon code HOOPBALL20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your order and free shipping. And also check out our pals at mybookie.ag. Use code HOOPBALL on the third page of time to unlock deposit match bonuses there as well. I'm Keith Cork. You can find me on Twitter at, at Keith And Trey, where can the people find you? On Twitter at Final Finally. And please follow the show, guys, at Ethos Bulls. At Ethos Bulls is the show on Twitter. Go follow us. We're going to have another show for you guys on Tuesday night. We're probably going to talk about this upcoming schedule uh, for the Chicago Bulls. We're going to hit on that for sure because uh, it is a doozy, man. It is a tough schedule. But we'll uh, we'll walk you guys through all that. And we'll get up for some more for some more Bulls basketball, man. I'm excited. Until then, let's go Bulls. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.